Hello, everybody. Welcome to Standard Definition here on Boss Rush Network. I'm your host, Dan Lattes, Sunday ADV. Joining me is Boss Man himself, Mr. Corey Derrick. Hello. I'm ready yes. to be in 64 bits. Yes. And we got the legend herself. The one, the only, Miss Cle- uh, Stephanie Cleewall. Hello. Hi. This is the episode I've been waiting for. This is the episode she yes. was made for. Yes, everybody, we are ranking Nintendo systems and we are uh, ranking the Nintendo 64. This is going to be a very interesting episode. Um, but before we get into that, Corey, do we have any Patreon shoutouts that we need to do? Yeah, let's do some Patreon shoutouts, shall we? So we are recording this in June. On June 26th, we are recording this. So these are the patrons for up to that point. Uh also, just a quick reminder, Patreon is a subscription service which allows you to subscribe to us monthly for uh, special perks and goodies and stuff like that. Our main perk is early access for $1. Uh, we also offer a $5 tier, which is Patreon producer, which is what this is. Uh, I know that a lot of people out there are not as up on Patreon that listen to podcasts as we are. And so uh, just wanted to give a quick reminder that patreon.com is a website. It's a service for creators, uh, for people to directly support their favorite creators by month. And so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's probably a terrible way of explaining it, but I think I got it across. Uh, So patreon.com slash boss rush network is our Patreon uh, page you can subscribe for a dollar and get four shows uh, early including standard definition two weeks early after dark two weeks early uh, and expansion pass one week early uh, at the one dollar level or if you want to be a patreon uh, producer for our show uh, you can subscribe at the five dollar tier which means you get your name shouted out on this year program as well as all of our other content here on the boss Rush network uh so, without further ado, our Patreon producers for this episode are Quentin Jackson, Rebecca Jewell, Adriel Munger, and my wife, Sana Dierig. I want to thank all of our Patreon producers. I want to thank all of our patrons. And I want to thank all of our free listeners out there as well. Uh, we wouldn't and couldn't do this without you uh remember if you're listening on itunes or spotify and you're not a patron please leave us a five-star rating and review it really helps us out uh and we'd really really appreciate it because everybody works really hard around here and people deserve to uh know that they work hard and do cool things around here so yeah yes all right, everybody, let's jump into this episode. The Nintendo 64 was released on June 23rd, 1996 in Japan, September 29th for America, and March 1st, 1997 for Europe and Australia. It is the fifth generation of consoles. It, the codename for it uh, was Project Reality when Nintendo partnered with Silicon Graphics in 1993. A test model and then arcade platform was soon created and called Ultra 64. When it was finally designed, the system was named after a 64-bit CPU. Launch games for the Super... Uh, the launch games for the Nintendo 64 were Super Mario 64 and Pilot Wings. And the total sales worldwide for the system was 32.93 million with America making up 20.63 million of it. 
Um, it was intended to sell for $249.99, but went to $199.99 to compete with Sony and Sega. Also, everybody, the 64DD, which is their disk drive, was released only in Japan. So, I got to ask you guys, when was your first time experiencing the Nintendo 64? Hmm, well, I mean, I think my first uh, kind of real exposure to it was through Nintendo Power. You know, I kind of started subscribing... Uh, I remember my first issue was the Turok issue. <laughs> it had Turok mm. on the front. And uh, N64 wasn't even out yet. They just had, you know, Turok was the cover. And then uh, they had uh, features for, like, uh, Donkey Kong Country 3 for Super Nintendo in there. They had a bunch of late, late, late Super Nintendo games in there. But they started showing off Mario 64 <laughs> and, at the time, Zelda 64 and Pilot Wings and... Uh, Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey and Wave Race. They had a whole bunch of N64 games in there. Uh, so that was kind of my first exposure. And that whole summer I was debating, well, do I get a Super Nintendo? Because I had never had one out of Genesis. And there's it was really cheap. There's all these games out for it already. And I could like, oh, you know, I was trying to, I remember sitting in the back of my parents' van being like, okay, well, if I could get a Super Nintendo, there's all these games out for it. I could play as many games as I want. Not realizing that games were like eighty and ninety bucks and a hundred bucks back then, right? I was just like, "Oh, I can play more games because there's a lot more out." Uh, but then I was like, "Well, the Nintendo sixty four is the new thing, and I'll be up to date, and I can follow along in this magazine and play the games that are in the magazine and whatever." And uh, ultimately, uh, for th- that Christmas, it's I people who listen to Nintendo Power Block or the Boss Rush podcast have probably heard this story a hundred times. So I'll just give the quick version. Uh, my, I got Super Mario 64 from my parents for Christmas, but I didn't have a Nintendo 64. And then my grandma came over and uh, sh- I opened all her gifts and I still didn't have a Nintendo 64. So I didn't really understand if my parents knew or didn't know what that meant. And then my grandma told me that there was one more gift in the trunk of her car and spoilers, it was a, a Nintendo 64, and I wanted to pl- I immediately plugged it in and wanted to play it, and I couldn't play it till everybody left, and it was just <laughs> a terrible time. Sorry to all my cousins and my grandma. I love you guys all, but, you know. Uh, but I got Super Mario 64, and that was my first real exposure to the Nintendo 64, and man, what a... I always point to the Nintendo 64 uh as the console that made me know that I was going to play games for the rest of my life. Right. Like, okay. I, you know, the Sega Genesis was the console that was like, okay, I like games, you know, I could see myself playing these. And, uh, but the Nintendo 64 was the console that made me start paying attention to games, made me realize Mm -hmm. that, you know, might be doing this for a while. And, uh, Mario 64 still remains, you know, even though I'm not a huge 3d Mario, uh, guy, Playing that, playing a 3D game for the first time was incredible, and Mario 64 will always be that game. You know, people sometimes people point to Final Fantasy VII or Ocarina of Time, and you know those are their first experiences with 3D games or their most memorable 3D game. But Mario 64 isn't still an incredible game. You know, uh, if, even when you go back to it on uh, the Switch. Uh, 
maybe not the 3D All-Stars version, but the Nintendo 64 expansion pack version is, you know, still just an awesome way to play it. So, especially if you have a Nintendo 64 controller. Oh, man. Hope you guys got those when those were in stock. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I think I'm getting mine tomorrow. Great. They're fun. It feels like a Nintendo 64 controller. Also, it's weird because it rumbles, <gasps> but there's no rumble pack. So, oh, like, that's going to be weird. So, like, remember how heavy that rumble pack was yeah. with the batteries yeah. in it? And, but, but, and it, like, tilted the controller back, and you had to, like, you know, use some wrist strength to hold the controller correctly. <laughs> it's, like, the heft isn't there, but the rumble is still there, and it, it's like, whoa. Whoa. That's weird. Ugh. It's weird. Well, what about you, Stephanie? What was your first time with the Nintendo 64? Or did you, how did you learn about it or anything? Well, it definitely my formative years. And I know you, you've talked about like the release date and stuff, but just like a high level, I think this generation of game uh, consoles is like the pinnacle of like what most middle range millennials, like this is our nostalgia console. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's the span from, I had to look it up, the fifth generation from 1993 to 2006. So across the millennium, Sega Saturn, PlayStation, original PlayStation and 64. So I feel like these are the systems that, you know, millennials will, you know, are diehards for. But anyway, for me, my first, first experience was through my cousin and he was much older. He was my oldest cousin, originally from Jersey, but I think he was going to college in Boston. So he stayed at my parents' house while he was going to school. And all he would do when he's not at school was lock himself in his room and play video games. And because video games were not allowed for me, I would like, I'm going to hang out with my cousin John. And I'd sit there and I would just watch him play in 64. And he was playing Ocarina of Time, you know. And I'm like, whoa, 3D polygons. What? Well, I didn't know what polygons were, but now that's probably what I was thinking, just not in those words. So that was my first exposure was through my cousin. My mind was blown as he was like, you know, Star Fox 64 manipulating that like 3D environment. And, you know, jump ahead maybe another year so i definitely didn't get then 64 when it first came out i probably got it like mid cycle mid in mm-hmm. its life i begged and begged and begged and my parents don't usually break but i think i broke them finally um but they obviously got me back for it because that's also how i learned for a fact that santa didn't exist because i asked for n64 for christmas and i guess they caved but they weren't happy about it so they literally bought me the n64 and just put under the tree didn't even wrap it they're like here wow i was like oh okay so you guys were santa so i had that it came packed in with a wave with rave ray 64 and that was the only game i had they wouldn't buy me anything (laughs) so i just had to play the hell out of it but remember back then we also had blockbuster yeah so Mm -hmm. like that's kind of how I'd get my game. So that was my experience. That's, that's so funny. And my parents had the opposite effect of, like, they didn't want to go to Blockbuster and rent the games. They wanted to just buy them outright because they didn't. I They they were always annoyed when I asked them to go to Blockbuster to rent something. So, like, I never had that renting experience unless I was with one of my friends who was like, oh, hey, let's go rent a game. I'm like, who rents games? Like, I didn't have that blockbuster i never even had a blockbuster membership and it always bummed me out because i always i was always the person that was like never got to go rent anything but i guess i guess that's i guess 
that's a good thing because my parents were just like, well, I'll just buy it. I'm like, oh, okay, that's <laughs> that's neat. We'll do that. Yes. How about you, Ed? Well, uh, for me, um, you know, as everybody knows, that EGM was the Bible uh, to me, the video game Bible. And so, uh, of course, it was Nintendo. And when I heard about the when I heard about the Nintendo sixty four, all I knew, all I knew it was was Ultra sixty four. And so I was just like, "Ooh, I'm so excited! I can't wait!" Oh, this is a picture of Final Fantasy. And didn't know all the drama behind that or anything. It was just like, I was just so excited to see it. And then when they revealed it in the card in Nintendo 64, I was just like, uh, I don't like the name. I don't like how the logo looks, but I'm still excited because I thought Archer 64 was like such a cool name at that time. So 90s. Um, right? So yeah, 90s. Very, <laughs> it really is. So um, my mom got it for Christmas. I would get my console video game systems on Christmas that year. Um, so uh, she knew that I wanted one. Like, it was no choice. You know, it wasn't not no choice. It was just a given and, and everything. And, of course, I said, uh, I would like Super Mario 64. And because I played so much Bomberman on the Sega Genesis with my friend, I asked for Bomberman 64, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. I love Bomberman 64. That was the other game my cousin played. Yeah, so I can't wait to hear about that. So, uh, yeah, and I never got a second controller. I always had one controller, so I would have to go to my friend's house with my controller so we could play the wrestling games from THQ. Do you need a, uh, Do you need another Nintendo 64 controller? Because I have, like, nine of them. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never uh, get rid of my see-through red one. That's my favorite one. Uh, I have a see-through purple and a and a the banana yellow one that they oh, promoted with Donkey yeah. Kong. And it, the only way you could get it was if you got like the pack in with Donkey Kong Country or Donkey Kong sixty four or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's that's how I came into the N sixty four, and we'll talk a little bit more about rentals because uh, we had a place called People's Choice. That was up from my house, and Monday she could rent a game for two dollars, and you get to keep it for three days. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you have to have have it back by eight o'clock that night. Uh, other than that, if you do it like Tuesday or, win- or Wednesday or whatever, any other day, if you rent it, you still have to pay the two dollars. But the next day you have to return it. So I was just like, okay, that's fine. Uh, but I did like half of my gaming library do that store because sometimes like games that they didn't want anymore, you could just outright buy for like five or ten dollars. Uh so um but yeah, that was my uh my intro to like the N sixty four. Definitely uh if you guys look at the Nintendo sixty four controller, um it's it's like kind of almost like three handlebars in in a sense, but um, it looks like almost like a bird. If you had to had to draw, it. yes, Corey is holding it up. It had the diagonal, uh, 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 the, the yes. Thank you, Corey, for showing it off because I wrapped mine up because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want dust to get on it. Okay, so so question: When you wrap the cord around it, do you do the one way? Or do you do the X, the cross way? So I did the X. Me too. Gross. You guys are wrong. But it's okay. 
you want to know why? I think no. it's because I the two handle things. I feel like it was more secure by it going through those handlebars at the bottom, the the those two openings. Because like my N sixty four, not N sixty four, my Super Nintendo and my NES. When I wrapped those cores around, they always came loose. You had to try to always put the end part of the cord, do it so it could stay there. And I felt like with the N sixty four, when I wrapped it in the X. It was just so secure that nothing came out with mm. it. Um, uh, along with the NCs for everybody, um, they had the uh, expansion pack, which would jump the uh, RAM four uh, MB to eight MB. So when you, if you bought Donkey Kong uh, sixty four, it came with it, yep. and you will put it into the middle section of where the cartridge is at. Um, you could save on the cartridge or you could use the memory card uh, that was in the back of the uh, 64 controller. Um, the system had four ports. Um, it had uh, a slider for you to cut it on and then a reset button on the right side. Um, so, uh, and then, of course, the uh, cartridge case. It w- This system was region locked, so you wasn't able to play any kind of Japanese games. There is, though, at the bottom of the system was a port for the 64DD, uh, known as the 64 disk drive. Mm-hmm. Um, this was supposed to be uh, a way to allow online gaming um, be able to play additional levels uh on it uh so it, it it's kind of just like inter- uh interesting um if you look at it uh at the bottom uh it's this it kind of almost like a vcr uh in a sense mm-hmm. but it's like a big cartridge port uh where you will put your disc in or the cartridge disc and it will read the memory off it for it to load it to the game to play um in Japan, you were able to get stuff like for the Legend of Zelda and some of the other games, but they shortly discontinued it because it was a little bit too expensive and really nobody was going out to get it. Um, you will be able to, what you will go to is like a 7 Eleven. There'll be a machine, you put your, uh, the disk drive in, you pay some money, and you download that additional uh, content and then went and played it, played it on your system. Um, I was excited to actually play this one, um, but it just never worked out that America didn't get it. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting, some of the stuff, because, like, you think about stuff that ended up coming to the GameCube later, like Animal Crossing and, you know, Metroid Prime and some of these other things. They were actually originally started development on this disk drive, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, it just, you know, it, it had some interesting ideas in Japan and never came out here, obviously. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was a cool idea. Also, I think when... Nintendo and Sony had that major split and the Panasonic stuff didn't work out for the Super Nintendo. Nintendo obviously probably had some sort of hesitation in terms of discs again, you know, and and Mm -hmm. kind of playing that game and not having... And they saw what was happening with the PlayStation, I think, at that time too, where like, yeah, you could totally... uh, You know, it was really hard to do, but smart people could hack them and play burn games and stuff, and then Obviously, they saw what happened with the Dreamcast later and thought, you know, 
after the GameCube, they had already announced that GameCube would use discs, and uh, they started, they, you know, GameCube has the mini discs, everybody knows that, which was their kind of way of trying to fight off piracy later, and, you know, it, the Nintendo 64 just was an interesting sense system, and uh, the fact that it was going to be modular like that uh, tells me that that console was meant to last longer than it did, you know? Yes. And, uh, you know, because they have the expansion pack, right? And that's uh, that was, like, a huge deal for Donkey Kong and Perfect Dark and oh yeah rogue squadron and all these other games uh even majora's mask you know utilized yeah, it because link could do more parkour with that yeah 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 that's what we needed more parkour uh which was kind of interesting uh in a sense because um killer instinct was a game that th- when it was originally developed by Rare and Midway published it with Nintendo at the arcades, they were using sixty-four uh, Nintendo sixty-four hardware technology mm-hmm. uh, for it, but the N sixty-four wasn't ready to come out yet. So that's why that game ended up on the on uh, the Super Nintendo, and I <laughs> think they probably would have used the eight-bit RAM expansion pack to get to use for that game. Oh my gosh, the fact that Killer Instinct was on the Super Nintendo just boggles my brain. I mean I know we had I know we had Mortal Kombat right and stuff, mm-hmm. but like you can't tell me Mortal Kombat was great on the Super Nintendo once you started playing stuff on the PlayStation and the Saturn, right? I mean well, at a time, uh Mortal Kombat two was the game on Super Nintendo. No, it wasn't. Street Mortal Fighter. Kombat 2? Street Fighter was the game on Super Mortal Nintendo. Mortal Kombat 2 no, blew Street Fighter Street out. Fighter. No, Street Fighter was a Super Nintendo game. Even I know that. Well, yeah, Street Fighter 2, when it originally came out, yes, it was. But when Mortal Kombat 2 came out, it became the fighting game. Everybody literally was playing that game over Street Fighter. Well, that I mean, here's the thing, though. I don't. I think it got a lot of attention because of the content but i think more people were playing it on genesis than the super nintendo because of the blood right everybody was mad because the super nintendo for mortal kombat 1 but mortal kombat 2 they put the esrb rating on it so nintendo started allowing blood and fatalities and stuff coming into their game because hmm. okay. mortal kombat 2 in the arcade was a big big issue and when Killer Instinct came, that's when like fighting games started to change because it was started becoming the they call it the dial in combos. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Killer Instinct I think was prominent because it was combo based, right? I mean, you. I, mm-hmm. I think it was, I think it was almost the natural evolution of Street Fighter, where like Street Fighter was all about pulling off these awesome moves, right? And yes, and they. I don't think it was till like probably three or alpha when like combos started coming in and then combos were like a big deal in four, right? Because they had the, Mm -hmm. what the V system or something in four. I don't know. I'm not a huge fighting game. Although in alpha series, although I did buy street fighter two HD recently, uh, during the switch sale sale. Yeah. I'm debating getting that. Yeah. Well, like I know that that's probably the worst deal because you could get the Capcom fighting collection. There's a bundle for 40 bucks which is the re- the new Capcom fighting collection and then the Street Fighter 30th anniversary collection together for 40 bucks. 
and like Ooh, that's, that's probably the better that's probably the better deal but i'm like no i i've been wanting ever since street fighter 6 was announced i've been like i kind of want to play street fighter and i almost bought the xbox the xbox 360 version of uh super street fighter ultimate super duper edition or whatever it's called <laughs> uh because five isn't available on xbox so i was like oh, maybe because it's got the frame rate boost it's got the 4k upgrade stuff like it's got the smart delivery stuff it's it's really intriguing to me but then i get in there and play it i'm like i have no idea what i'm doing because i did not play these games yep. in the arcade i was playing ninja turtles and the simpsons and x-men right i didn't have time for street fighter <laughs> uh i so. street fighter on the super Nintendo. we know ed <laughs> you, know, you know, Corey, I just feel like we're similar in that fashion because I saw the Street Fighter 6 and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want to explore Street Fighter. Yeah. But I'm like, no, but I'm, like, I'm talking sense to myself. I'm like, you've never really played it. If you get it, you're going to button mash and that would be pointless and then get frustrated after 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm a button masher. I know. I am too. But I... It was weird because, like, when Injustice 2 came out and I bought it because of the Ninja Turtles, I actually sat down for about two weeks and actually learned how to play Injustice. Like, I sat down, well, learn, quote-unquote. You know, I was looking at moves and trying to teach myself how to do these moves and play and get it going up on harder difficulty levels and stuff. And I really enjoyed it. I just, I feel like... Fighting games are, I feel like I'm past the age of like, oh, my, I'm going to be great at fighting games, right? But like, I still kind of want to learn, you know, I want to, I want to be able to be like more than just a smash player. I want to be like, I played street fighter four or six and I'm, I can hold my own, you know? And I don't know. Fighting games are so intriguing just because of like, even the competitive nature of those games is just, it's pure skill. Right, it's pure skill, one on one, the ultimate esport, as they would say. You know. Well, definitely one of the games on the N sixty four when it came to fighting was Mortal Kombat Trilogy, uh, and that one, you know, it kind of had all these characters from all the games, and I, I think. It was the only one. I think it ultimate. I think there was another version. I think it's like the ultimate version or ultimate trilogy or something. Or that might have been uh, MK3 Ultimate. Um, trilogy had a problem in all of the con- in all of the console versions. So you would play up to a point like you would get forty to an hour worth of playtime, and then there was a bug in it that crashed the whole game, so you couldn't play it. So you had to restart it or cut your whole system off, uh, take it out, let it cool down, put it back in, and then let it restart so you could play it again. Uh, but I think the NC4 didn't have that kind of problem. But guys, there's there's a lot of games though that was very noticeable on the Nintendo 64. So uh, of course you have Super Mario 64 that really pushed 3D gaming. Uh, and the analog stick on the mm-hmm. N64 controller was a game changer, and I think it didn't change until I, I it was PlayStation or Xbox, I think, that had two of the analog sticks. PlayStation, PlayStation was first, 
because of Ape Escape. They came out because remember the PlayStation just had the what looks like a DualShock without analog sticks was their original yeah. controller, right? And it was yeah. ugly but functional, right? But like how do you use that controller in a 3D space, right? It was awful. Have you I mean, did you play Resident Evil? Did you play Tomb Raider? Mm. Oh yes. Bad. No. Crap. Uh but then, like, you look at the Nintendo 64, and yeah, obviously, a lot of those games have camera issues and whatever, you know, it was the Wild West for 3D gaming, right? But, like, Nintendo kind of found a way to uh, make it easier to consume with the analog stick, and then, uh, obviously, Sony came out with the DualShock, but it, the DualShock, didn't, like, that right stick didn't become a camera until, m- mostly until the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 era, Right, I mean, Halo kind of, kind of standardized how we look at dual, uh, dual stick gaming, right? Yes. Uh, but like other games on Xbox, PlayStation, even GameCube weren't doing it that way, right? Halo was the only one using the right stick as a camera, and uh, you know, when PlayStation introduced the DualShock, the one game that used it, you know, was uh. They had uh, Ape Escape, and the right stick was the net or your weapon, right? And that was that was what the second stick was used for, and it was really kind of gimmicky, and nobody really knew what to do with it. Uh, you know, Nintendo sixty four kind of introduced it with GoldenEye and Perfect Dark. If you plugged in a second controller on GoldenEye, you could use the right, you know, the second player controller as the camera, which was, you know. Good luck using two Nintendo 64 controllers. Nobody really knew how to use <laughs> <Right>. one. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, using the C buttons as the camera for Mario 64, uh, Zelda kind of, uh, you know, used it used the camera differently. And then, like, the Z targeting kind of repositioned the camera behind you if yeah. you got lost. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of these games kind of started defining how we thought of 3d gaming you know it wasn't the games on playstation even though a lot of people want to point to like you know crash bandicoot was an interesting 3d game but it was really a 2d game in a 3d space right like you just instead of running right to left you're running forward and backwards right there was no kind of okay yeah you can go left or right or whatever but it took this uh bonus level of sonic 2 it just made it um, instead of it being automatic, Gross. don't bring that up. Did you? See, by the way, did you see Dan post that Sonic CD level on yeah, Twitter today? Oh to my sell. gosh, I wanted to throw up when he posted that. Gosh, Sonic CD is so not great. Yeah, but the reason I said Sonic Two bonus level is because of that view that you was going through, uh, and there, there really wasn't any other game doing anything like that. Uh, until kind of Crash Bandicoot, but yeah, Super Mario 64. I think because of the level design, the way that Mario was running and jumping and just moving in the 3D space, it was kind of just like shocking to everybody. Um, did you ever get a chance to play it, Stephanie? Oh, yeah, I never beat it, shockingly, um, because I'm not really the best um, 3D Mario. Uh, player like I love mm-hmm. them I'm just not good at them but yeah that was one of the first games that I played because that's what everyone was talking about like oh this revolutionized everything and jumping in and out of paintings and for me like and I would say 
and I'll, I know we might talk about this later. I think, unfortunately, one of the downsides of N64 is the majority of its games are really aged horribly, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Even though I, I love the system, I love the games, just from a, um, a visual standpoint, it aged terribly. But I say out of all the games, Mario 64 is still holds up pretty decently. Um, and yeah, just moving about the environment, um, the way it handled for its time, like, you know, it's just really a historical, you know, fun game. I just wish I beat it. <laughs> Which brings us to another historical game, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. LeRon's favorite game, Ocarina of Time. <laughs> yes. Look, okay, so... <laughs> Yes, I think we're going to plan on streaming Ocarina of Time soon. Uh, Stephanie and I think are going to play through it for the first, since I have a story about Ocarina of Time. We'll get to it after Ed gives his little spiel, I think. Uh, uh, No, go ahead. Uh, I can wait. I was I was mostly buying time because my son is still screaming. But um. oh well, uh, well <laughs> I will say the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. Um, this game had been in development for a while, and what they introduced into this game was Z targeting, uh, where you could auto like you would hit the Z button in the back, and it would lock onto enemies where they weren't able to escape. So it's kind of like a one-on-one battle, uh, and it made fighting them in this 3D area um, easier. Uh, And then you kind of seen it in different games outside of Nintendo. Um, And still you will see it today with uh, Z-Targeting. With that, later on, they brought out Majora's Mask, which is kind of somewhat a spiritual sequel or a side game. It's a direct sequel. sequel? (laughs) And it is a direct sequel. I don't care how much you don't like that game. It is a direct sequel. Well, like Stephanie said, side quest sequel. Um, where the game is... I on... believe she was quoting you, Ed. Yeah, she was. I know. I called it a side Ed, quest sequel. Edward Varnell, side quest sequel, Edward Varnell. <laughs> well, with Majora's Mask, you are on a time limit of three days, but you can reset time in order to get through it. And the main focus on it was finding these different masks. Uh, with it now, the Legend of Zelda series aren't really known to have follow up sequels to them. Um, usually, depending on what console or handheld that comes out, there's sometimes like a dedicated Legend of Zelda game for that uh platform. But the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time in Majora's Mask on the NCS4 was the first time that uh, two games came out on one platform for the Zelda series. Uh, so, uh, Stephanie, I'm going to start with you. What are your thoughts of The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask? I'm clearly biased because that's that was my game that got me started. And I think most people that know me on Boss Rush know the story, so I guess this would only be new for new listeners. But Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time is literally the game that inspired my first novel and continued writing. So I have a lot to you know thank for that game and it's Miyamoto right who was exploring the caves and all that stuff in Kyoto and whatever mm-hmm. when I heard that like even just behind the scenes of how Ocarina of Time was conceived or not Ocarina of Time sorry Zelda right the whole Zelda franchise was how that because that obviously was the original game 
it just my mind went nuts i love the story i mean i know it's not um the most like anyway i'm not gonna go into a I, rabbit hole i could talk about ocarina of time for ages what's up i would argue it has one of the better stories in a zelda game to be honest okay i feel bad. sometimes i feel like i have to be like an apologist or something for you that do. thank you you do <laughs> Um, anyway, so number one, it inspired me to write my novel. That's how much it meant to me. And I, I love Z targeting. I thought that was pretty revolutionary, um, at the time. And I, in a sense, still it is, um, I love the fact that, well, I loved all the temples. I love the music and I love the mechanism of using music in the game. Um, I love rescuing Epona and riding on the horse when, at the time, Hyrule Field looked like the biggest, largest thing ever. Um, and just all the cast of characters was wonderful. I loved the colors. Um, I loved defeating Ganondorf at the end and that final slash right into Ganon's nose. Like, that was freaking awesome. I just, oh. And um, Majora's Mask, I mean, I objectively acknowledge how great that game is. Mm. I just personally don't care for it but that's only because i have anxiety with anything timed and yes i know you can slow down time by half but it still gives me anxiety um and i ruined Andrew and cafe's mission once the really long um story and i did something at the wrong time and like to the point where i i don't think rewinding time by three days would fix it like i think i just permanently screwed that mission up and it made me upset and i stopped playing uh, man, Majora's Mask is so, it's so good, though. I Oh, I, it is. It's, <clears throat> it is. Majora's Mask made me go back and finish Ocarina of Time. That's how much Majora's Mask <sighs> inspired my love of Zelda. It wasn't Ocarina of Time, even though that game is, is great in its own right. It was Majora's Mask. Uh, I remember that was like, <laughs> I know we talked about me not renting stuff. Uh, uh, Majora's Mask was one of the only games i've ever rented and i beat it in a weekend i bought this i beat it in a weekend i loved it so much that i went out and bought the game the strategy guide and the strategy guide for ocarina of time and went back and finished ocarina of time and then went back and played majora's mask again and did every single mask mission so you know how a lot of us like just in general in the gaming community talk about oh man when ocarina of time was like made in the unreal engine 5 like someone Mm -hmm. did all that stuff and we're like Mm -hmm. oh will it ever get remade which we all know nintendo won't do i just feel like they're never going to do it but mm, well here's the thing one way i think they might be able to do it is you know how they did um, a link between worlds as like a like a a spiritual successor or sequel to A Link to the Past. But when I play it, it's literally the same game, but just in a different style and things are slightly changed around. Uh I feel like that could be a good excuse for Ocarina of Time where it could be be like A Link Between Worlds. Not in that art style, I'm just saying not a true remake. Like some things will be different, but it'll be close enough. But with those graphics, it'd be perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really... Man, it's so hard to go back though after Breath of the Wild to like think about. Oh man, I would really like a tradition like, a like game. because now you have to separate the 3D games into two separate styles now because you have the traditional 3D and then you have the open 3D, which is Breath of the Wild, and it's like, oh man. And we talked about this a little bit on uh, an expansion pass. I don't know when that's going out, but mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about 
how Xenoblade Chronicles 3 well, that came out. will... Uh, this is a direct recap. No, that, that oh, oh, oh. This is it. Yeah. yeah, this we were talking this about how Xenoblade Chronicles 3 will somehow influence Breath of the Wild 2. And then we got sucked into talking about Breath of the Wild 2 and how <laughs> they could mix, like, tr- they could totally mix in traditional dungeons and, uh, like, almost take a Mega Man approach of, like, instead of the, uh, instead of the weapon, getting the weapon and fighting through the dungeon with it, you could fight through the dungeon and then use that weapon on a different dungeon to make it easier, you know, and kind of bring back that traditional dungeon sense to the open Zelda format. And because like, that was my one major complaint with breath of the wild is like the divine beasts weren't fun to me. I didn't think they were very good. Uh, especially coming off playing wind waker and twilight princess, which has great dungeon design. And then you move into that and like the shrines are fun. The shrines are super fun but they're i mean they're meant to be bite-sized right they're not full dungeons mm. i want a full dungeon experience and they don't have themes yeah well like you know what i mean yeah. they do boring that's the theme well it, i mean it's hard for me to also imagine legend of zelda for the next 35 years all being open world games mm-hmm. or unless it's a 2d game yeah. i'm wondering if they, they could shake up the formula kind of like how resident evil tries to stay fresh i know that's a really weird comparison but i just mean <laughs> like one two and three and then they shook things up with four five and six mm-hmm. and then seven and eight were different with the first person view so i just mean like yeah. after like a, a batch of games being similar then they just change it up yeah i think well, they, i think they try they try to uh with it i think it just depends on what when they get into the R and D about it. What is what are, what are they going to try to do? Because like if you look at the Legend of Zelda, each game somewhat can stand on their own. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Legend of the original one, yeah, it's top down. But then you go to two, which is kind of like a true RPG. It's just that the side scrolling with a butter knife. And I hate that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and then three, it goes. You know, three still produ- produces that tradition, but then you got like this Pokemon double world kind of style with the light and the dark. Um, you get to the NCC, you get to, yeah, you get to Link's Awakening and stuff, but that's like more music based than it is, than it, it, which is on like this one little island. Uh, Ocarina Time. You know, of course, you still got that time traveling aspect to it, but you know, Link is small, and then he's a dog when he time travels and everything. Like you haven't seen that anymore. The Zelda series, like you could time travel, but it's more of a transportation kind of thing, like like Wind Waker, uh, and the stuff, which is really much a sea, <laughs> a sea shanty kind of adventure and everything. Uh, with lesser dungeons and stuff, and the Triforce is stuck in the sea. It's not stuck in in everything, you know, with all that lore. Then you get to uh, Skyward Sword, which, no, Twilight Princess, and, you know, that affects Link itself. You know, it's still this open world game where you can still find everything, find the stuff, but I'm like, you can't do everything if you're, if you're with, with Link anything you know do you have to your even your texts are different 
You know, so I kind of feel like each game. Sorry, everybody, that I ran through most of the other series. It feels like each game is always different. Um, you know, where some of the ideas and traditions are there, but they're trying to refine it or they're trying to reimagine it and stuff. You know, Resident Evil had to change because didn't nobody want to do those tank. Think of doing those tank controls in Resident Evil Four with that gameplay. Who? Who? That game, Capcom would have got burned for that. Mm. You know. Good point. And don't forget, Resident Evil and Devil May Cry was supposed to be the same game. Yeah. Devil May Cry 1 was supposed to be Resident Evil 4, which is hilarious. Uh, Which makes sense if you played Code Veronica and, like, the creepy castle setting and the introduction of certain monsters and stuff. Totally makes sense, but glad it didn't. Yeah. Yeah, Ocarina Time was the first time, was my second time buying the strategy guide. Because mm, uh, it was, yeah, it was Garrido's Village. I could not get out of that jail to sneak. I was getting my, they kept capturing me and throwing my tail in jail. It took me a long time to understand how to get out of the jail. Like, yeah. to hook shot onto the window. I'm like, what am I doing? There's nothing here. Yeah. Oh, this is an important question, guys, because I think my view of it changed as an adult. Is the water temple really that bad? No. I don't remember having any difficulty with the water temple. Uh, my biggest problem was the shadow temple because... Okay, people who have been listening to Power Block for a long time know that the reason why Ocarina of Time is not a top-tier Zelda for me is because of my terrible experience with the shadow temple and not knowing that you had to go back in time to finish it so yeah that's on me i guess but yeah no if i was gonna say like a water temple that was bad it's not bad but uh twilight princess uh water temple was just too long with the switches and chairs oh yeah the stairs, yeah. That was the only reason why it wasn't bad. It was just too long with all that switching. I uh, struggled with the Great Bay Temple in Majora's Mask. I don't know why, and I just didn't like George or Georg or whatever that boss's name was. Those I, are some really weird names. I called him Gorgi. I didn't really know how to oh, say his Gorgi, name. Oh, <laughs> I like that. I just didn't like the time factor in Majora's Mask, so I refused to play it, even though I yeah. used to play it on at the, Switch. At the time, it didn't stress me out, but when I was playing the 3DS version, it totally stressed me out. And, like, it clicked in my head that this is totally, like, a roguelite game (laughs) where, like, you can make progress, obviously, but, like, you still have to reset the timeline and everything still starts over, even with your progress. And now, like, thinking about playing it again, I'm like, oh, my God, this is all I'm going to think about. And I don't like roguelite games. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah. But everybody, uh, Mario Kart 64 was a big one. Uh, <sighs> Resident Evil 2 was also a big one because you put they put both discs on one cartridge. <laughs> That's how I beat Resident Evil 2. Yeah. Also, Resident Evil 2, uh, since Capcom internally already knew they were making Resident Evil 1 remake and Resident Evil 0, had new content in it because of Resident Evil 0. Which was cool. Uh, the the character on the train, Billy, that's his name, right? Uh-huh. They had like arrest warrants in the police station and small things having to do with Billy. Oh. 
and oh. it's only in the Nintendo 64 version. I'm sure it's in the remake also, but uh, yeah, that was like a big deal. That was the big deal for the Nintendo 64 version of Resident Evil 2. Yeah. How did that run on the N64? Terribly. Fine. I didn't have no problem mm-hmm. with it. Did it need the the what the extra special pet? No. Yeah. You could have it, but it ran fine. It ran like it was. It ran like playing the PlayStation Two game. Like I didn't have no problem with it. Like that I doesn't said, have I any problem with anything pre GameCube. Adds a master. Well, don't forget, I was play. I. I had Resident Evil one, the first regular original Resident Evil with the big box on PlayStation. I know. So I'm when just I played it, you. Uh, it's just easy to mess with you, Ed. It's fine. Uh, there's Turok. We won't speak <sighs> about that, but uh, go no, ahead. No, why not? Turok was awesome. Well, no. Um, I just had that. I think I've said. So, so I'm sorry. Um, I loved Rampage, mm-hmm. and. I rented it and I wanted to rent it again and I couldn't go but my dad said he'd make a blockbuster run now keep in mind at that age I was still really young so I wasn't into anything scary yet and I said okay dad it's called Rampage he goes what he goes it's the one with the dinosaur in there and you destroy cities and whatever (laughs) and he brings home Turok I'm like I don't know what this is but I'll play it And, and I don't remember how old I was but I'm pretty sure I was like nine or something and this is a m game and mm-hmm. i put it in and i was just terrified i mean i'm fine now because i'm old enough and i have a limited run edition of turok but at that time i was like i wanted rampage <laughs> what is going on here uh turok was so cool because like you know in 1997 like jurassic park was like one of the biggest movies you mm-hmm. know and lost world had just come out and like Everybody was into dinosaurs in the 90s because of Jurassic Park. And so this was, like, awesome for me because I think I was, like, let's see, 1997. I got it when it came out. I was 11 when this game came out. And so I was, like, all about murdering dinosaurs and doing this terrible first-person shooter game on a Nintendo 64 with platforming, mind you, with no draw distance, mind you, because... It was Turok and not Ocarina of Time, so you couldn't see more than, like, 10 feet in front of you. (laughs) It was so crazy, because, like, if it wasn't a Nintendo game and the draw distance was bad, it was just, like, I remember running through the forest in Turok, and it was just, like, after, like, 10 feet in front of you, it was just blue. It was just blue. Like, this nasty color blue just... Oh, I I can see it in my head, and then all of a sudden, like yep. a dinosaur would pop out of this pop blue. out of nowhere. And I was like, that's ah. what traumatized me. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, man. Those I Raptors. remember I, I was into first person shooters, but I tried to play this game, and the fog in this game was just too much. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't get through. Turok Evolution on GameCube though is a mess of a game, but yeah. Uh, the end boss of some kind of southern captain of uh from Gettysburg riding a uh T Rex is just hilarious. They, I mean it's no more they, ridiculous than the than the conduit when like you go through the portal and it's Abe Lincoln oh. and George Washington in like mech suits. Oh yeah. Oh good good. Also remember Codename Steam also exists, which is a steampunk Abe Lincoln 
with an alien army of historical okay. figures. So, uh, Codename Steam, guys. Man, if you like Fire Emblem and you want a very poor version, I would say it is a terrible version of Valkyria Chronicles. Is what Codename Steam is on the three. I want to say. I want to say that it was it was a new IP. No, I I understand, and I still have a poster for Codename Steam somewhere that I got hey, from. We named uh, before Bus Rush was Code NX. I know Codename NX. I know. Uh, and I found that logo, by the way, on my computer because I've been reorganizing folders and stuff. Mm-hmm. Boy, man. You should throw it up and show, to show everybody, show the well, team. How, I th- we how need to do an anniversary episode because it was like two or three weeks ago. <laughs> uh, but I guess a three-year anniversary is not really anything to like. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Anyways, continue. Well, Sorry. N64, there was, guys. Great. Yes, concept. there was a Mario Party 1 to 3, uh, 1080 Snowboarding, NFL Blitz, Banjo Kazooie, Conquer 64, uh, Killer Instinct 2, which was known as Killer Instinct Goat, Cruising USA. Oh, yeah. Cruising uh, USA. In- I remember when you beat the game on different with different cars. You unlocked different cars, and I unlocked, like, the first car I unlocked was a police car. I'm like, no, I'm fine. But you can unlock a school bus and race <laughs> with a school bus. It was hilarious. It was awesome. Uh, I remember 1080 snowboarding, playing that because I rented and Bedro Kazooie. Well, I remember uh, I remember 1080 was a big deal because Cool Borders was like the the game on PlayStation for a while, mm-hmm. and like, yeah. all my friends had PlayStation. Well, some of my friends had PlayStations, and they had Cool Borders. And I remember I specifically asked for 1080 snowboarding, and I never I never got 1080 snowboarding for N64. It's like one of the one of the kind of essential games that i don't have for for nintendo 64 i remember asking for it and i was like i was like mom i want this game because at the time also i thought i was going to be a you know i had i bought a bmx bike i bought inline skates i bought a snowboard i thought i was going to do all these things and then i fell and hurt myself and i was like never going to do it again uh i i fun story about my bmx whatever i went up on this tabletop jump and i thought i was going to clear it and do this really cool like i'm going to twist my handlebars around trick and i landed sideways and flipped over and i good thing i had a helmet on that's all i have to say because i landed on my head and i like couldn't move for like a a while after that uh oh wow but anyways back to 1080 uh i asked for 1080 snowboarding I was like, it's a snowboarding game. It's it's, I it's like the best thing ever. You know, trying to convince my parents to buy it. Uh, I got this, I got this snowboarding game called Twisted Edge Extreme Snowboarding, and it was not great. And I just, I just remember like there's this uh, British black guy that was awesome, and that was the only character I ever used. And he had this really cool catchphrase, and I forget what it was, but. Uh, he was just like I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is not what I wanted. At least you didn't get snowboard kids or snowboarding kids or whatever. That was. No, I actually traded it in for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, so you know I made out fine. But God, Tony Hawk, can we talk about Tony Hawk real quick? 
I know like a lot of people don't associate it with the Nintendo 64, especially like because the, the music was like non-existent <laughs> on the Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. But man, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater was so good. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater one and two. Oh, oh man, those are some bangers. I was so excited I when they announced those remakes. I still haven't played Tony Hawk at all. Oh, I haven't gosh. played the remakes. I haven't played the original ones. Uh, Ed, you're missing out, man. They're so good. Oh, uh, the the so I actually I actually bought the remakes on Switch, and it's mm. so good. Those are perfect portable games. Those are perfect Switch games, and they run they run higher than 30 frames a second, and it made me so happy. Because the Xbox Series X version runs at 120 frames a second, and you're gonna drop. I was like, you're gonna drop me from 120 to 30. I'm like, no way. Uh, I know that sounds like a snobby thing to do, and I was never like that until the Series X came out. And now I'm like all about frame rate. But they, it runs somewhere between like 40 and 50, and I'm like, this is totally serviceable, and it's so okay. fun. And it just took me back to sitting behind my parents' couch playing Nintendo 64. And playing Tony Hawk, and it was the first time I ever experienced needing a memory card. Because, like, oh. up to that point, all the Nintendo sixty four games I had saved to the cartridge. Yeah, and I was like, "Why can't I save my game?" I had to go to Funko Land and ask the guy why I couldn't save my Tony Hawk game. I took my game in and told him it was defective because I couldn't save my game, and he was like, "No, you need a memory card." And I was like. What is a memory card? He's like, <laughs> he's like, what? You don't have a PlayStation? I'm like, no, I have a Nintendo 64. Do you see this cartridge in my hand? <laughs> Idiot! God, they were dumb way back then. I don't. Ugh. Anyways, uh, <laughs> probably shouldn't be saying that on a podcast when I'm about to go in and trade some stuff in and find some physical Switch games. But uh, yeah, and so I ha- I got a memory card, and it's the only game I ever needed a memory card for was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And then when, when GameCube came out, I bought like five of those suckers. <laughs> because remember at first the game when the GameCube came out, I know we'll talk about this when GameCube uh, mm-hmm. episode rolls around, but like you could only hold like seven or eight games on the GameCube memory card. And then they came out with like the super expanded one that's like eight memory cards in one. And oh man, that was I have like I have like ten GameCube memory cards, so if anybody <laughs> needs one <laughs> Like we said, the thing was they they were twenty dollars. Yeah, because I used to have the, I used to have the black one. Yeah, because it's just like oh, I think like eight gig or something, whatever the biggest expensive expansion that was on it. These the whole well, like, lot of games. It was like uh, ninety six blocks or something. Because remember, yeah. they didn't use megabytes or gigabytes, right? Like PlayStation Two was the first one to do that, right? Right, but N sixty four had blocks, and it had ninety six blocks. And then when they came out with the big one, it was two hundred and fifty six blocks. I was like, "Holy crap! I need that! I need that! Like right now!" Yeah, oh. and I always felt like if I lost mine, I would go to the store and just buy a whole new one, and yeah. then come back home and be like, "Oh, it was right here." So yeah. then I would just like I just needed to know where. Where my I would keep both of them in my GameCube. Yeah, we'll and talk I, about that when I, we get to. I ended up buying two of like the mid tier, uh, memory cards, because I need because I played Madden and NCAA football on GameCube, which was like mm-hmm. a weird choice, I guess. But uh, those took those games took up a whole memory card, and I'm like, oh my gosh, dude! Like, 
I I need the big ones because these games these game they didn't fit on a normal GameCube memory card. You needed the at least the mid tier one for yep. those. Oh, anyways, we'll, we'll talk uh, about that on N sixty four or on 70, GameCube. Sorry, seventy. Did you play any of these games? Mario Party, Ten Eighty, Blitz, Banjo Kazooie, Conquer sixty four, Can Instinct, Cruising USA, or Diddy Kong Racing? <laughs> Um, yeah, I've definitely played Mario Kart, Mario Party. I mean, those were staples. Those were mm. amazing. Um, I played Banjo-Kazooie. I love the Banjo games. I loved all the Rare games. Just to shout out to, to the awesome partnership they had back then. I'm so sad that yeah. it's, you know, not... Banjo, <laughs> I would say Banjo, Conquer, I mean, Goldeneye and Perfect Dark, uh, even something like Blast Core, which like I know a lot of people didn't really play, but that game was really interesting. Pretty good, yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed Jeff Force Gemini. I enjoyed it. Yep, it was, I, it was... I owned that and I loved it. Yeah, Banjo Kazooie is like, I I'm a Banjo Kazooie over Mario sixty four person. I'm one of those people, <gasps> and I'm also a Diddy Kong Racing over Mario sixty four person. I Mario like, Kart Mario Kart sixty four is. Uh, inferior <laughs> to Diddy Kong Racing. Um, well, I never played Diddy Kong Racing. Oh my gosh, man! Diddy Kong Racing was so good. It was like, it was like an adventure. You went on an adventure on an island, and like, instead of like platforming, you just raced, and then you could like race in in like a water based craft, and like which was also really good in the snow levels, and you could fly airplanes and carts and. Uh, that was our first look at Banjo and uh, uh, Conquer were, was that game, which was smart for them to, to put them in there. And then also TikTok Clock was like the unlockable racer, and you had to like beat all the time trials, and you unlocked this new racer, which was just this dumb-looking clock, who's also in Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, by the way. Uh, but... Man, Diddy Kong Racing, underrated gym. I need another one. Or what Rare could do is make a not Diddy Kong Racing game for Xbox, which would also be acceptable. Well, they got to finish the other game that they delayed and get it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh but uh, there was also Donkey Kong 64, Quest 64, Star Fox 64, <sighs> Daikatana, Golden Eye 007, Ken Griffey Jr. Slugfest, and Mega Man 64. I'm going to start right there. Go ahead, Stephanie. Oh, my goodness. Like, that was a, a, a huge list. Um, well, the first thing I'll get out of the way, Quest 64, I had that. I don't know how I ended up with that game. I couldn't even make it out of the first level because the graphics were just so not great that I couldn't tell where the the opening out of the castle was. It was literally just I couldn't visually discern where the exit was. Mm-hmm. So that was a waste of my life. Um what was the other one you said? I know you said Star Fox. Did you say DK64 as well? Yeah, Donkey Kong 64. I think that was one of my personal favorites on the N64, you know, next to Ocarina of Time. I don't know what it was about it, but I just really, really loved, other than the camera angles, which apparently didn't bother me so much back then, but when I tried playing it more recently, I'm like, I cannot play this game as much as I love it. So 
camera angles aside, I love switching between um, yeah. the characters and the bosses were fun. Um, I just think that it was like just a lot of gameplay, a lot of value. Like five, I think it's four or five Kongs that you can mm-hmm. go through each level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, plus, the Donkey Kong rap is very popular. Oh yeah. my gosh, I love it! Here we uh, go. <laughs> uh, going back to your point of camera angles, though, I think it didn't bother us back then because we didn't know any better, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, the only game that we really had to control the camera was Mario sixty four with the C buttons, and it was like, well, whatever, you know. Uh, and so. You know, having having because Banjo Kazooie had the same problem, and they they fixed it in the Xbox version actually, uh, because you can actually use the right stick as the camera, and it's it's so helpful. Oh my gosh, that game! I wish that was the version we got on Switch because uh, I don't know. I tried to play the Switch version. It, it looks nice and it runs nice, but man, the camera's stuff, which yep. is which I, is. I, playing it on n64 because you told me that they fixed on xbox so i'm just gonna play it there Mm -hmm. and uh i think like i just the reason why i haven't played any nintendo 64 games on expansion pack yet is because i using a standard controller and not the nintendo 64 controller throws everything out of whack it throws everything off like the right stick is not the c buttons right no matter if you're playing ocarina of time to use items or mario 64 to control the camera it's just not the same and so having this proper nintendo 64 controller has i think alleviated a lot of the issues mentally that i would have replaying those games you know so but they oh go ahead no, all I was going to say is mention Star Fox. So if you want to finish your thought, I was just oh, going to talk about Star Fox. I was just going to say, but looking at this list of Nintendo 64 games, like I had a lot of fun playing Nintendo 64 games, and there are a lot of bangers on this console, you know, including Star Fox 64, which. Yep. Yeah. And that was my next top game. I just find that to be my favorite Star Fox game. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the branching paths. I mean, that was pretty... I mean, when you go back and play it, I'm like, oh, big deal. It forks in a couple places compared to the branching paths we have now. But back then, I was like, whoa, if I like fly perfectly through here, I could defeat an alternative boss. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I I, and I I love Star Fox 64. I, I know it's not really helpful me constantly saying I love, I love, I love. But mm-hmm. if anyone else wants to contribute to Star, Star Fox 64. I just, I remember like the big deal between Mission Complete and Mission Accomplished. <gasps> those splash screens. And like if you got all Mission Accomplished and kind of took that top row of planets or whatever, like Fox's dad came in and helped you fight oh. the last boss, which was super cool. You know, Spoilers for... <laughs> I don't know, uh, 25 year old game at this point. God, Star Fox 64 is 25 years old, guys. Oh, good goody wow. Jeez. And I've never played that game. Anyways, uh, it was just, it was super cool. And I'm really kind of, I don't want to say upset because I'm not really that upset about it. But like the fact that we haven't gotten a decent Star, uh, Star Fox game since then is kind of. You know, it's it's kind of sad, you know, and like, mm-hmm. I mean, we got Starlink, 
for Switch, right? Which was essentially the Star Fox game for Switch, right? And you can play the whole game as Fox, and it feels like a Star Fox game. That game is fun, by the way, if you haven't played it. Uh, it's It's got a whole Star Fox storyline. You can play as the R-Wing and Fox through the whole game, and he's in all the cutscenes and all the missions and whatever. You, can, you know, you never have to change pilots or weapons or anything. I wouldn't be surprised if that show on the Nintendo Direct that Ubisoft is doing a new Star Fox game. Well, they got to get Mario Rabbids out first. <laughs> yeah, it, is that, it worries me that they haven't mentioned it. Um, but well, they no. have a. I guess the rumor is they have something. I know they have that Assassin's Creed thing next month, but they also have something at the end of July, which is supposed to the room. I guess some stuff today actually. Before I got on, I saw some stuff came out about. Uh, a skull and bones reveal is imminent and a re-reveal of beyond good and evil 2 is imminent and uh i guess there's going to be like a ubisoft one of those ubisoft connect is that what they called it ubisoft connect that thing forward yeah. ubisoft forward For, or something yeah that's it that's the name uh, of the direct. well so, i'm more willing to believe those rumors than the fact that there'll ever be a nintendo direct in the next week <laughs> yeah i know i saw all those rumors too i'm like i mean i get it but also, they just had a Xenoblade one. I wouldn't put yeah, it next exactly. week. I would say more likely in July at some point now. Yeah. But, you know, I would totally be okay if they brought Star Fox back. Like, they, I don't think they have to try and um, do something different like they did with Zero or what's the other one? Adventure. Like, Adventure. Um, like, I really think they could do something like a Star Fox 64, but since we have better technology, maybe make even larger branching pathways and create whole new different planets. Mm -hmm. I would be fine if the mechanics themselves were very similar, but just give us new planets and new branching pathways. I would be happy as a clam. Mm -hmm. I actually wouldn't even mind if they did another Star Fox Adventure style game, but also made it like kind of more, I don't want to say open world because I don't really... I think there's a lot too many open world games at this point, but like, mm -hmm. I feel like you could do something similar to that, but also add in the traditional Star Fox levels, and you know you could explore planets and maybe use the Landmaster to like get places faster or whatever. But like, there's something you could do with Star Fox. They need to update Star Fox. That's the thing. Is like, they really do. It's just stuck, and I think Ubisoft actually had the right idea with Starlink. Uh, in the fact that like you could go to these planets, kind of explore, fight bosses, collect resources, upgrade stuff, fight a boss, and then move on. Right? I, it was totally a, you know, a Ubisoft game, but instead of Assassin's Creed towers, you know, you conquered a territory on a planet, and like there were like three or four territories on a planet, and then you moved on, right, to another planet. And uh, I think you could totally do that with Star Fox, uh, but for sure. Also, I think if they just reworked some stuff for Zero, it wouldn't be as bad as people say it is. Because I really don't think Zero is as bad as people say it is. I just think the controls need work. Because trying to fly a ship and also trying to use the gamepad's gyroscope to shoot things is, uh, you know, it's terrible. You know, how am I supposed to look at two screens at once? <laughs> Stupid. Get good, Corey. Stupid Gosh. Wii U. Ugh. Oh, wow. Best console. Well, uh, Daikatana, um, Nobody's which was it. a game for John, uh, John Romero. Uh, if you think of the ranks of games that had 
big hype and big names attached to it, and then it comes out and it feels spectacular. Uh, Daikatana uh, was a one for the N64. Um, you know, uh, good, but GoldenEye 007 was kind of like a new life for console gaming for first-person shooters with it. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. Slugfest, you know, that was Nintendo's way of getting into the sports arena uh, with it. Uh, Mega Man 64 was the uh, cartridge version of Mega Man Legends from PS1. Uh, Paper Mario started its series on N64. Uh, Mischief Makers and Sin and Punishment, these are two games from Treasure that I absolutely enjoy and, uh, you know, is being very vocal about. Hopefully, Mischief Maker comes to uh, Nintendo Switch Online, but Sin and Punishment is there. Uh, Perfect Dark uh, was a great, was a good game. I don't know why it got popular for. Cord, you may know Perfect more Dark. about it. It's, yeah, it's because it was a sequel to GoldenEye. Everybody wanted. That's, uh, I mean, that's that's it, really. I mean, everybody knew that uh, EA had kind of got. The thing is, is Perfect Dark started as a GoldenEye sequel, which would have been Tomorrow Never Dies, I think, and mm-hmm. then. EA ended up getting, you know, signing their deal with with the Bercolis and uh, MGM at the time for the license, and they ended up making the sequel, which wasn't terrible. Like it was just a worse version of GoldenEye. It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't bad or anything. It was actually I played right. a lot of it. Uh, but they wanted to utilize that technology, and we still have this game in this, you know, this world. That how do we change this? Uh, into a, a you know a different game and obviously like they just created a new IP instead of trying to license one and it it was I mean it was popular because it was the sequel to Goldeneye we never really got and that that's really the story there's no real rhyme or reason okay so uh, but, I was, yeah, yeah I was wondering why that game got popular because I never played Perfect Dark yeah I haven't either it, I mean, it was it was fine. I didn't play a lot of it. We were all still playing GoldenEye when Perfect Dark came out. Uh, I played a little bit of it. I really didn't play a lot of Perfect Dark until Rare, Rare Replay came out, to be honest, mm-hmm. on Xbox One. And I played through the Xbox 360 version of it, the XBLA version, and it was it was fine. I mean, it was it was fine. Uh. Just got a few more games. Uh, Pokemon Puzzle League, Pokemon Snap, and Pokemon Stadium. Superman 64, Brave Race 64, and Yoshi's Story. Now, I put Superman 64 because it was one of the lowest rated games. It's still considered up there with E.T. as like the worst games of all time. Kryptonite uh, yeah, uh, Fog, everybody. Uh, wait till we get to the GBA. <laughs> Ooh. There's a, a particular game that got uh, an EGM. It actually got a zero. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, it. So. I, I, I remember. Uh, you know, I remember a lot of these games. I just, I remember Superman sixty four. Like everybody, I remember there was this weird multiplayer mode, and everybody was flying a spaceship, and everybody was like, "Why is Superman flying a spaceship? He can fly." And, and their explanation was, oh, there's kryptonite fog, so 
uh, he can't use his flying ability. <laughs> it's so just, weird. Oh my god, it was so bad. Yeah. Uh, did you play any of these, uh, Stephanie? Could you run through that list again, real quick? <laughs> um, Pokemon Puzzle League, Pokemon oh, yeah. Snap, Pokemon Stadium, Superman 64, Brave Race 64, Yoshi Story, uh, Mega Man 64, Paper Mario, Mischief Makers, and Send the Punishment, and Perfect Dark. So, Wave Race 64, of course, I already touched upon that. Um, and then. Pokemon Snap, I had good memories of that, and Pokemon Stadium, because I had my Game Boy game, and I think mm-hmm. there was that ability to make transfer your Pokemon mm-hmm. data to the transfer Pokemon pack. Stadium. Yep. Oh, those were that was great because that was in the heyday of me, 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 and Pokemon back then too. So those are yeah. those games out of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pokemon Snap was like that game was. I I was obsessed with that game, and getting mm-hmm. perfect scores, and always wondering why like. Oh my gosh, this picture was so much better than that picture. Why did this one get Why, a better yeah. score? You know, and it was like, whoa. Which is also everybody, hey, you Pikachu, where you had the microphone to speak oh gosh, to Pikachu. Yeah. On I the forgot about that game. Oof. Oof. And they came out with that yellow and blue Nintendo 64 that was like yeah. literally <laughs> longer because it had a had a embossed Pikachu on it. It was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing <laughs> yeah. with this thing? Oh. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Super Mario sixty four. Like I said, loads rated. Uh, I did enjoy Brave Race sixty four. I thought that that uh, was really. Oh, cool. Wave Race was the best. I uh, love doing the handstand. Mm-hmm. It was my favorite. Yeah. yeah. And then Yoshi Story was it was an easier platform, but because I love Yoshi, uh, he's one of my faves in the Mario series. Um. I enjoyed that game. A lot of people said it was just way too easy, so they didn't enjoy it. I never I understood how you unlocked the different levels, because like sometimes I would play through it and like I would unlock one level, but then like I'd play through it again, and then like the third level would unlock, but not the second. I never understood how that game worked. It was weird. It's, yeah, it's weird. I mean, it was fine. Yeah. I I played it, uh, but it was it was weird. Yeah. Um. But tell yeah, us, tell us your okay. Bomberman story real quick. Yeah, so Bomberman sixty four. So I got that game, and, and I'm sorry, I almost forgot to forgot about. I got that game, and uh, I was so excited to play it. But then I kind of realized that you couldn't climb and you couldn't jump. You had to like place your bombs. <laughs> In certain areas, in certain places, where you had to like fall in order to jump on your bomb to get to different, you know, places and everything. And I, rem- I just remember that after playing Super Mario sixty four, I, I am playing other platformers. I wanted a jump feature in uh, the the platforming game. And because that wasn't in Barberman sixty four, I I there was places that I couldn't get up because you couldn't climb up some places, you know, uh, you literally had to figure a way on how to get up to some areas and put your bombs there, and if you hit a sudden button, the bombs would blow up, which would drop the frame rate, and if you fail sometimes from a high place, you end up dying. 
Yeah. And so I I I was excited to play. I love Konami. I love Hudson Soft. I love the Bomberman series. But when I tried to play that game, uh it was and literally I asked for it for Christmas. So my mom spent like four hundred some dollars on me that Christmas. Uh for it. You know, she got me a coat and clothes and she was just like, You can't get nothing almost to next Christmas, but she bought me a game for like uh I, I think she bought me a PlayStation One for my birthday, uh, that following year. So I had N sixty four and PlayStation. But yeah, Barber Man, I just could that that gameplay. I was just like, ugh. Yeah, I I remember playing Barber Man sixty four. It was like the third or fourth game I think I got for Nintendo sixty four. It was, it was fine. I remember there was this level with like a what I thought was like a Stonehenge style. <laughs> rock formation mm-hmm. and I never really figured out that puzzle. <laughs> I didn't play a lot of Bomberman 64, I think it's safe to say, but it was okay. Yeah. So but everybody, that's gonna be it for the N64. Now it's time to rank it. Oh boy. Oh. This is and, and out of all let's see. What what is the current ranking? I think it's what, Super Nintendo? Uh I think I think it's hold on, let me I think it's in the Discord. Uh I don't know. N sixty four is number one for me by a long shot out of all these consoles. Yeah, I mean I, I'd have to say so not you know, I I'm like I said earlier, I know I'm biased, but I mean N sixty four took that big jump to three D, um, polygons <laughs> and the list of um, amazing hits just amazing amazing and not only were they hits but they were games that kind of revolutionized gaming mm. um, so that's why it's gonna be at the top but I, i'd be curious to see where everything else is like as a reminder i would place it under the super nintendo i as much as i enjoyed the n64 um it it, it has a lot of memories for me, but I think because I played so much of the Super Nintendo and those games stood out, because I didn't have a Chrono Trigger, I didn't have a Secret of Mana, or I didn't have like a Yoshi's Island, or I didn't have like I don't know something about the NCC4 as much as I loved it. I think it's because I didn't own a lot of games on that platform like I did the Super Nintendo and even the Game Boy. It's like it was a console that I rented stuff, um, and it wasn't and it wasn't because of price or anything to buy the games. Because I I even played like like I said a lot of wrestling games with my friends and stuff. Um, it, I think it's just I didn't own that many games on the N sixty four, even though I rented and played a lot. Uh, I just I, I of course I feel like it's better than the NES and Game Boy. Um, but I just feel like Super Nintendo it was just was a better system than the N sixty four, you know. Yeah. Um, uh oh, our ranking. Does anyone want to list it off? I see it. I I'm trying to. I don't remember if we had. Did we have SNES over Game Boy? I don't think we did because I think because I I think we ranked Game Boy over because of stuff like Pokemon and Link's Awakening and not having experience with the Super Nintendo. Stephanie and I, at least. Mm. Uh, 
So I think Game Boy still sits at number one. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, it's definitely. I don't know if I, yeah, I don't know if I can have N sixty four at like third place. Yeah, it's it's it, but to me, it's totally better than the Game Boy by a long shot. Uh, but Ed thinks it's worse than the Super Nintendo. Well. I, I, I meant I meant in terms of ranking. I don't think you think it's bad. I just I'm no. saying, like, no. Uh, so we have like a real problem here. <laughs> um, well, well, would you put it? I'm I'm fine having Game Boy still at one, and putting an N64 underneath it over the Super Nintendo, and then having the NES yeah, at last. I mean, like, yeah, but I still think the N64 is better than the Game Boy. By a long shot. Do you agree, Stephanie? I do, unfortunately. Okay, then N64 is number one. N64, Game Boy, Super Nintendo, NES. Look, there, there's going to be some heartbreaks on this uh, Coming list. up, yeah. Uh, so, you know. Well, I, I think not. I think because, you know, we still got a lot of consoles. Now, because... I already know what the war is going to be when it comes to one particular console. Like, and that would be in a couple of episodes. So that's going to be an interesting one. Yeah. And just and just like to give you guys uh uh new viewers, uh if you missed it last time, we're not doing the virtual boy because it mm. wasn't out for a long time and it doesn't have a lot of games. And um, we all know it's the best console, so I mean that's not even worth it. It's, it's Mario. Um, look, you you put Mario Tennis and Mario's Woods on there, bam, done. Uh, a mess. <laughs> uh, so, uh, did you see? Yeah, by I, the way, did you see that guy? T- he took he made a a Virtual Boy like he took it apart and made like a wireless, almost like an Oculus headset with a Virtual Boy with a wireless controller. Oh what? no! Yeah, I'm like, man, if that would have been that thing in the '90s, man, that would have been that would, yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Except you had that little stupid kickstand, and you had to like look like this and play it like this. Stupid, <laughs> stupid Nintendo. Come on, only Nintendo console I don't own, by the way. I'm looking for one, so if anybody out there is uh, looking to get rid of that, just you know, offload it, DM me. I'll uh, take it off your hands. Anyways, so our current ranking, everybody. Nintendo 64 sits at number one. Woo. Game Boy number two. Super Nintendo number three. And NES number four. And I know everybody is screaming that NES is number, or Super Nintendo is number three on this list. Mm-hmm. Which is oh, yeah. because, like, going forward, there's a lot of consoles I think are better than the Nintendo 64. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, But... That Super Nintendo sitting at three is just man. That's that's gonna hurt a lot of people's. But but I I like that guy said that you know I have my whole time with Super Nintendo. I think it would have dropped even lower when we get into future because yeah yeah when we get to one particular console, I it's the to me maybe the yeah the yeah. struggle is gonna be real. The the, yeah. the discussion is gonna be real with yeah. that. Yeah. This was the easy part right now. It's just going to yeah. get more challenging from here. Yeah. Yeah. So, Wii U, best well, console. Um, ah, the 
discussion on for that mm-hmm. one. Um, well, everybody, that's going to be it for us to the definition. Uh, Stephanie, Corey, I want to thank you. Uh, quickly, Stephanie, where can we find you? Yeah, um, at Klimov underscore author on Twitter and Instagram, and my articles bossrush.net, and Wednesday nights on the Boss Rush podcast. Yes. Corey, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at I am Corey in HD. You can find me on the Boss Rush podcast, Nintendo Power Block, and a ton of other things here on the Boss Rush Network. You guys can find me on Twitter at that retro and on Instagram. Uh, you can check out more content that I'm on at watchfirst.net and on our YouTube channel. But that everybody have a great week, have a great weekend, and we'll see you next time on Standard Definition. Bye everybody. Goodbye.